Welcome to the Multitask. This is Dan. And it's your boy Fadi. What's going on, guys? We have a mugshot. Donald Trump has a mugshot. America, Donald Trump becomes the first former president of the United States to have a mugshot. But I should also say, he's also the first former president to be indicted. Just one indictment would have been enough, but four, he's just really, he's giving us a lot. So, um, I mean, there's a lot to talk about this week. We're going to probably not have much structure, but I guess we should not bury the lead. Your reaction to the mugshot. Elation. Um, ironically, I had a, a fantasy football draft right as like a half hour after it dropped. So I know we were talking about, is it coming out Friday? Is it coming out Thursday? I was expecting it to come out relatively soon after he was arrested. So timing worked out, but I don't know, John, I, I was a little naive. I tweeted about it because for some reason I thought he would try to play it off. Like he would smile, look confident, do his little thumbs. Like I know obviously his, his fingers won't be in it, but. I just thought he would play it off like everything's okay. This is all good. He looked pissed. And I'm glad it was that. It was really worse. Someone commented and I agreed. It was worse. It was the worst thing possible for him. But at the same time, the best case scenario for us. Because it's it's worse than we could ever imagine. So I'm very uh, elated at that. Um, I'll be honest, John. I'm going to bring it back to you in a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint a picture for you. Do you remember? I know we've been in a couple rallies together, but... The rally after he was elected, so November 2019 or 2020, I should say, sorry. No, sorry, uh, 16, sorry. Um, he was elected on a Tuesday. It didn't, it didn't draw out. They called it that night. Me and you went downtown on Saturday. I don't know if you remember this. And we had, it was an anti-Trump rally. It was all across the country, and we were a part of it in Chicago. And we were talking, and I'm like, we were both still in shock. And I told you the only way that this ends right is if he pays for the crimes that he did. Because we knew even before January 6th, before all of this stuff, we knew the Russia link and we knew all the past history of the corruption that he's been a part of. And this was closure, I think, for me personally. Like, there's still, he might be found not guilty. He might be do more crimes. He might be the president again. For me personally, there's four indictments and the mugshot was like, okay, that settled that chapter for me. A little part of me healed. We just need one of the convictions out of the four. We feel strongly about all four. We just need one of them, especially the big three. So I'll pitch it back to you. Do you remember that time? And do you remember that conversation? And do you think about that stuff now? Or do you, is it like too big to even imagine, you know? Well, don't forget with Russia, it wasn't until the Steele memo came out, which was actually that the following January, that we started really seeing stuff. So I remember that conversation, but if we're really being honest, that conversation we were having was, that's a dirty mf and we know there's something that he's done, something corrupt. We did not, I don't think anyone could really at that point articulate what it was or what what the multitude of things would be. One, it does appear, and even though people, I do agree with the people who say that as history goes on, we'll find out that the Russia thing was not a hoax and that, that, that there was a lot more there there. And I think it's just that's something that history will tell us, not something that'll be told in the short term. So I remember that conversation, but I think that's the wishful thinking. The same wishful, at that time, it was wishful thinking. The same wishful thinking that, Republicans would have about, uh, you know, Biden, Obama, Hillary, you know, don't forget they were chanting lock her up, lock her up, lock her up. So I think I, I, I agree with you, but I, I remember that, but I think it was wishful thinking. But I want to go back to the mugshot and something Joy Reid said. And I think what has to happen with our um, pundits, our talking heads, our, um, the, the people who really, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The 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 the, the people who really uh sometimes speak on the times. Um, I really like what Joy Reid said about the meaning of the of the mugshot, and I think the thing that frustrates me about the way that the press covers Trump, and the way that the press covers the prospect of Trump being held accountable for crimes he is obviously been indicted for and he most likely committed 
is they're always saying, well, this is unprecedented. No, no president's ever done this. They're always saying, well, he's a sitting president. He doesn't need a mugshot. And how would people react? They're so concerned with how people who support him will react. And they don't realize that there's a significant number of people, I'd say far more. And I'm not talking about the entire group of people, but I'm talking specifically about marginalized groups, black folks, um, other, you know, uh, Latinos, whomever, who even poor people, even, even poor white people who pay a much bigger price uh, during pre-trial, not even saying, I'm not even going to get the conviction yet. And, you know, when the Republicans have the audacity talking about Hunter Biden and talking about two tiers of justice, they're just, it's just, it's so, so insincere. And more and more people got to call them on. First of all, it's two tiers of justice, right? The fact that Trump could be, um, uh, you know, indicted four times and it wasn't until his fourth indictment that he got a mugshot. It wasn't during his fourth indictment that he remotely got treated like a prisoner. However, he was still able to lie about his height and weight, right? Because uh, it was not checked. Um, you know, when you talk about two tiers of justice, and, you know, one of the articles that I read last weekend, and I'm not sure if I shared it with you, talking about um, going back to the Hunter Biden story, Hunter Biden is being charged with crimes that most Americans, when they commit, if they pay back their uh, taxes like he did, they're no, they don't face charges. So um, the mugshot, for numerous reasons, very, you know, mostly symbolic, I think it was important. And, um, you know, while they're saying, and I hate the fact that the press is buying the spin of, well, you know, he doesn't mind. It gives him a way to raise funds. Um, yeah, he might be making lemons out of lemonade. I mean, making a lemonade out of lemons. But at the end of the day, Bill Clinton doesn't have a mugshot. Barack Obama doesn't have a mugshot. Hillary Clinton doesn't have a mugshot. Joe Biden doesn't have a mugshot. And quite frankly, despite all the trouble he's been in, I don't even I don't think I've ever seen a Hunter Biden mugshot. Um, so um, you know, I, I really think I think that the symbolism and the where it'll fall in history of the Biden mugs of the uh, Trump mugshot is going to be huge. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, John. I you talked about the two tier the two tier justice system Republicans are trying to go with. The fact is, he's been he's been given favorable treatment. Some of it's justified. I'm not that type of guy. I don't think that President Trump in jail is the safest thing for inmates or anybody else, or the security guards or. The staffers, like, it's just one of those things where, yes, Beyonce needs a police escort because otherwise they'll cause chaos in the street. So some of it is needed. He's a high profile figure and some of it is favorable treatment. But he's been seen, he's been given a lot of favorable treatment. The fact that he can negotiate when he comes in, the fact that um, he has bodyguards with him, the fact that he could pre-negotiate his bond, pay it ahead of time so he could just walk in and walk out. All that stuff is stuff that just the common folk will never have access to. You mentioned something about making lemons, lemonade out of lemons. The thing about lemons, John, is sometimes they're really sour. And that's what this mugshot is, right? Sure, he'll sell a t-shirt back on Twitter, whatever. He'll make a couple million dollars, whatever it is. But there's not a single person in this country who was on the fence about Joe Biden Who's going to look at that mugshot and be like, yeah, I'm voting for Donald Trump. If you're a diehard supporter, you're going to support him and that's fine. But there's no independent voter. There's no swing voter in Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin. Who's looking at that mugshot saying, yeah, sign me up for four more years of that. And probably forever because he's never going to step down. So I call I call bull on all that stuff the Republicans are trying to say. And then. Waters on Fox News saying, oh, he, he looks good. He looks cute or whatever he said. He looks strong. All of that is spin. They know this is horrible and they're trying to do the same thing with Biden. The, the impeachment queries kind of ratcheted up on Friday. I don't know if he's noticed that, but they were trying to get Biden to kind of save, trying to hurt him uh, politically. Um, it's interesting to see people talk about it because. I'm going to give you credit, John. You called it right away, and I actually am going to give you credit. They're using it for everything. 
the New York case, the documents case, the DC case, they're using the same mugshot for all of those cases. And you called that perfectly. You said they're just going to use it anyways. It doesn't matter. It's public forum, right? So that that mugshot will live in infamy. And, um, and we'll make fun of it. And the memes are great. And TikTok has a generator that will change your face into Trump's and mugshot. It's, it's all funny. But for Republicans, that'll go down in history. The, the one that they hitched their wagon to has a mugshot. And they'll never live that down. Well, and here's the thing going about the utility of mugshot. And uh, the week of September 5th, if they're actually going to have to attend the arraignment in person. To the point I was trying to make. And while we got a lot of excitement, and I think, it, I, you know how you and I are both football fans. And we understand the different roles that everybody plays. Um, and I know that people are worried about dates and worry about this, worry about that. I think we should all acknowledge that the first thing that's going to happen is that or the first case that people believe will be the January 6th case, okay? Um, I'm less, as and as long he gets, as long as he gets one case in, or maybe two before election, even maybe before there's a nominee, um, and he's convicted, that will do some damage. In addition to that, as long as hopefully the the arraignment in Georgia, he has to attend. To the point about the mugshot, there will now be that file footage of him as criminal defendant Trump. And we cannot let it get lost that he's criminal defendant Trump. And that's going to do some severe damage. Now, the one thing we should also talk about, and I think I've said this before, Joe Biden's path to winning re-election cannot and must not be based upon Donald Trump's legal problems. Because one, he can get away with them. Two, hell, if can you imagine if we're running, you know, the plan is exclusively we're going to run against uh, an indicted, potentially conf, um, uh, convicted Trump and a turnaround and it's, you know, Vivek, you know, Romsway is, is now the uh, nominee. Um, I think that the Democrats have a tightrope, not not a difficult tightrope, but a tightrope to walk nonetheless in that, um, and this is why I take issue with people who say Biden needs to exploit it, Democrats need to exploit it. That's for you and I to do. That's for the pundits to do. Biden's got to go ahead and create a situation in which uh, if Biden, Trump's legal troubles are not the center of his campaign and if for some reason um they nominate someone else other than trump you know biden should be seeing well are you gonna denounce trump so you know it that's i I really want people to just think about the fact that the outcome of biden's campaign and our support of biden should not be dependent on the outcome of, of any of trump's legal cases but going back to another point I was making, would you agree that all four cases together act as one case? And the reality is, is what Georgia's going to do, given how big of an indictment it is, and how many people there's going to be, Georgia could very well be the last case. Um, but Georgia, because of some pretrial proceedings and stuff, is probably going to give us the best content. Because going back to what you were saying about the mugshot is, let's just say it's day one of the January 6th race, of the January 6th uh, uh, case. Do you know how much footage they'll just, they're talking about Trump, talking about Trump, and you'll see B-roll of him, yes, your honor, no, your honor. And so even if Georgia doesn't go first, all of the preliminary elements are going to give us some good content. Yeah, that's something that's undervalued here is there, there might be video, right? Let's say it's televised or maybe just him walking into courtroom or just maybe him like raising his hand or something that stuff's going to get used constantly as well. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, I agree with, with everything you said, right? It's something that scared me when you were talking, I thought you were going to go in a different way, but let's say Biden does campaign against Trump the whole time, entire time. What if Trump wins, right? Let's say he gets the nominee and goes against Biden one-on-one. I don't think so, but, and then he wins. What, is, what does that say about our country? 
that's the moment where I would struggle with the most to say, I can't believe they came out and voted for him again in more and more in more numbers than we did. No, I don't think that'll happen. I think Biden's in good shape as far as the general, and we'll cross that bridge if we get there. But I just don't think the country is like it. I don't know. It's, it's, it's we're such an unprecedented times, John, that there's no scenario that we could think of that's going to make sense because if he's in jail and wins the presidency, what is what happens, right? I heard um, the R. Melber was talking about an MSNBC where he said, even if he wins the presidency, Georgia is not pardonable. He still has to face the trial or face the, the sentence. And I just don't see how that's possible. So I said this, and I don't mean to beat a dead horse. The way to campaign is look at what I've done over the last four years, really the first three years, look at everything I've done and look at what I hope to do in the next four. And then look at who's I'm running against. Like how how is he going to deliver on his promises when he's facing four indictments and a possible jail time? Look at everything we've done and and put that in comparison with the with the Republicans. So I think I think it should be seventy thirty seventy. You're, you're campaigning about yourself in a good way. Thirty percent pivot and say, is this really what you want? Another Republican extremism, even Vivek, right, or whatever his name is. Um, he's even more extreme to me than Donald Trump in a, in a way, right? Because I think he is younger. He knows, right? He, I think he knows this is just a character, right? And so just paint them all with the same brush. And I think that's been successful since 2018, really. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be fascinating. Um, you know, a few more things, though, about what's going on with the Georgia case is uh, you saw that Mark Meadows and I think one other person tried to get the case kicked to federal court. They have that hearing on Monday the day that this uh, episode drops. Um, you also saw that um, uh, Cheeseman, uh, I think that's his name, che- Cheesebro, uh, is uh, asking for an early trial, and so is Sidney Powell. And evidently, they can get the early trial. And I guess there's upside and downsides to both parties. They're saying that um, one of the, 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 and this is what Trump doesn't want, is, dude, if they go early and they're convicted, the, it's not a question of whether, or, then it no longer becomes a question of whether or not a crime was committed. It's just who was party to that crime, right? So, um, but now they're saying there's some advantages to Trump in that, um, by having a case go, having some defendants go before him, the, the his attorneys can go ahead and watch um, the proceedings and learn from them. But I don't know. Uh, you, you have you have the potential for for some early convictions. And um, the other thing that's happening on Monday, and I'm changing cases, is there's a very good chance that the judge in the January 6th case will set a date on Monday as to when that case will happen. So I don't know. It's, 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 it's fascinating watching all the people turn themselves in, uh, the, the slow, the, the slow thing. Uh, the last two were both, uh, Illinois folks, the last two to turn, you know, to turn themselves in. But I think that, well, well go, this goes back to the name of the show, but how do you think now that all indictments have come, although we may get another indictment out of another state, but since most of the indictments have come, what what do you think will be the news regarding Trump's legal issues? Will there be new developments between now and the time the case cases start? Will there be you know, I think the thing is, I think the other I think the January sixth case, just because Jack Smith doesn't want to delay it, I don't think there'll be any superseding indictments or any new ev- or anything that would severely impact the timeline but i wouldn't be surprised if the other cases since they're since they sort of really don't have a timeline i wouldn't be surprised if the other cases um the the i wouldn't be surprised if they they get kind of like a pile on if that makes sense Finally, Willis is going to take forever anyway, so she might as well just continue stacking stuff on top of it. yeah there's obviously there's a lot you said so so you mentioned all the people turning themselves in and stuff. Emerson Missy had this kind of checkerboard, and they were saying, like, this guy's booked. This guy is on Thursday, right? And they finally had 
all 19 booked. And it just felt like, um, and I brought this up before, but do you remember when during the Iraq war, they had the deck of cards and Saddam Hussein was like the ace and, and they had the, the sons were like the Kings and the Jacks and, and all this stuff. It was like a deck of cards full of a hit list. And that's what this felt like was like, we finally uh, hit blackjack or whatever it is. But I don't know the I, I've read a couple things about the, the speedy trial stuff. It's pretty clear that that dude wants to settle. Cheeseboro wants to settle and, be home for Christmas, so he's just trying to get it out the way. Um, I so I don't I, I know you saw this, but Trump switched lawyers, and we're going to talk hip hop for a second. But he took Gunna's lawyer, who Gunna was facing the, the the RICO charge in Atlanta against Fonnie Willis, the same kind of situation. He got Gunna's lawyer, which he fired Gucci Mane's lawyer, and he got Gunna's lawyer. And what Gunna's lawyer was I successful just, I, I, doing let, is, let me stop you right there. I'll never see a day. In which Obama or, or or Biden would ever be basing their lawyers on, I don't think they'd ever in their wildest dreams ever share a lawyer with Gucci Man or Gunna. <laughs> yeah, but don't, it's not like it's Gunna's lawyer and Gunna told him to do it. This guy is a high reputable lawyer in the area and he knows Georgia really well. That's why Gunna has him and that's why Trump has him. But what he was able to do, but it's interesting because here's why it's interesting is. That lawyer was able to separate Gunna from the RICO chart. He was like, Gunna was sweeped up in a massive 20 person kind of RICO case. And now he's separated from it. And that RICO case went from like 20 to like eight people. Some people evidence failed, or some people settled out, or some people pleaded out, or some people flipped. So I'm wondering if that's a situation here where it starts at 19 and it ends up with eight or nine or 10, and Trump gets himself removed from kind of the pack. I don't think it helps him legally. I think he's in trouble. I I was following somebody from the Georgia elections. Uh, I forgot her name. I should look it up. But she was talking about jury nullification and how the lawyer really knows how to win this case. It's not that it proves Trump was innocent as much as you try to get the jury to be split or hung. I don't know. It was a real whole complicated process. But um, I'm more focused on the Jack Smith cases because it's pretty clear. I. In order, John, I think it's going to go D.C., Georgia, New York, Florida. That's how I think the timing will work out of all of this. Yeah, it, it's – look, um, and I think there's some other things that, that uh, I want to talk about. And I think the next thing, and it falls into something you and I talk about regularly. Um, well, we don't talk about – we don't talk about in this particular example regularly, but we talk about the – the area, the area of interest. What do you think is up with the Trump motorcade to go to arraignment? Um, the vice president, or not the vice president, the former president, and I'm saying the former in generic terms, but the former president's motorcade is usually just two cars. It's it's low key. Do you do you think he's trying to project the uh, the strength of a multi vehicle motorcade? I don't believe that the presidential motorcade has um ambulances i mean uh, the former presidential motorcade is supposed to have ambulances but he has an ambulance he has a police escort um now there could be obviously an argument in that he's going to a high profile event in the end it would attract a lot of attention so it needs a more robust motorcade but what are your and maybe you've read some stuff what do you make of the the very robust motorcades that he has been taking to his arraignments well, before I answer, let me ask you a question because you – I don't know if you have history, but you, you probably know more than I do. Is that him making a request and Georgia gives it to him? Or is that is that he says, this is what I need? Or is it the Georgia who's deciding we're going to send 80 cops just in case? Do you know what the process is? Well, I, I bet you there could be a threat assessment, and a threat assessment would be led by – um, the the lead on that would be his secret service detail, and then in coordination with local officials. Now, is his secret service detail operating off a, a, a threat assessment, or is this secret detail secret service detail doing what he wants? That would be the question. I don't know if that would ever be public knowledge or not. I'm sure that there's some type of national security element that could justify them not releasing the reasons for it, but. Um, I would assume that he, that they're requesting it. I would assume they're requesting it. 
again, even if you got the more robust with a lot of cars, a lot of but don't forget some some of the cars are press pull. There's press pull vans in there. He's no longer the president of the United States, uh, but he's got press participating in a press pool. Um, I still think the ambulance is overkill. Um, did I ever tell you a funny story about the one thing that made me really emotional about Obama? Whatever, this, this is a sidebar. Um, and you and I have talked again about it's just so funny and it's fairly fascinating how they transport presidents and cans and everything. And at the time that Obama was elected, I still lived in Hyde Park, so I'd see his motorcade all the time. Um, do you realize that up until election night, um, he did not have an ambulance in his motorcade? And the night he won, and this is going to sound really weird, I, I can get emotional. And I, the, the funniest thing about me getting emotional is I do get emotional very easy. But I also get emotional sometimes over things I just like, why? Why? So everybody's already crying tears of joy and celebrating. And I'm kind of, I'm excited, but I'm not crying tears of joy. Um, Obama leaves the Hyatt to come to Grant Park. And they actually have a camera trained on Lakeshore Drive. So the southbound traffic, you can see it. And they put on the big screen that Obama, they, they showed the motorcade leaving. That was right after he declared winner. Do you know what was in his motorcade that had never been in his motorcade right before that? Ambulance. An ambulance. Dude, the minute I saw the ambulance, I broke down in tears. And what was so funny about it was because that ambulance, I because I'd been because I know how the presidential motorcade goes, right? So when I saw that ambulance, I like shit, it's real. It's I don't know why of all the different things and you know, watching all the monitors the states that were declared, I don't know why that didn't get to me. But when I saw that ambulance, I said, "Shit, he he he's 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 that guy." So I do think that you know Trump is just doing this. He is coming out with a more robust motorcade than I believe is necessary, and I'd love to know. <clears throat> and you saw that Tim Miller called it out. George Conway called it out. I bet you he's gonna, it's going to continue to get called out because would you agree that? It does kind of give a head of state type of aura, and he shouldn't be, especially since he's no longer president, he should not be coming in with the trappings as, as, as being the head of state. Yeah, for sure. We know he's obsessed with being called president. We know he's obsessed. Remember the letterhead? He kind of got in trouble because he kept using it like the presidential letterhead even after. Um, yeah, he's obsessed with that. I think this is some of that. I think it's probably the majority of that. But I'll, I'll give you two angles that I don't think people are talking about. It, yeah, it's a waste of funds. I totally get it. And all that stuff. And I agree. So I'm not trying to go against that. But here's just two angles I don't think people are talking about. The first one is I think there's a January 6th effect that just taking over kind of a lot of places. I think the police in local communities are overarmed and there's tanks. And we learned that from Ferguson and all the kind of civil unrest after um, Michael Brown. But I think that because Capitol Police and and police were under were flat footed, I would say, or maybe underprepared for January 6th, that I think a lot of police departments don't want that on them. And I think they're probably going to show a lot more force than they normally would for certain situations. And this is a case where, remember, he, he said, show up in, in New York and nobody really showed up. And he said, show up in Florida when I go and nobody really showed up. He said, show up in DC and nobody really showed up. And so he, he's telling people to show up and fight back. And I don't think that people are showing up, but the police, are. I don't think, are going to take that chance. So that's kind of my first thought after the, the obvious stuff. The second thought is he's he's not only the former president, he's actually the probably the Republican nominee for president. And we saw once Biden won the nomination that he gets an uptick in secret service, right? There's something there because he's a vice president, but you get an uptick as soon as you become the nominee, and he's pretty much the nominee for the Republican Party. And so, yes, is it too early to get an uptick in Secret Service? Of course. Um, but I just think he's not just a former president. Like, they showed Obama showing up to, like, a, a TV set, and he just had two cars. He's like, yeah, but Obama's not actively campaigning, and he's not the front runner to be the next president. So I think that's just another angle. Is I think 85% of it is he uh, wants a big motorcade because – making up for uh, other things in other departments. But I also think there's something there where I think police are, uh, police want to sh have a show of force. And I think that 
he he also is the nominee, so there's just probably going to be a little bit more naturally uh, a, a presence there. Of the 19 defendants, of which Trump's one of them, or I should say of the 18 other defendants, who do you see as flipping? Because, you know, they talk about how when Farney Loyalist did this big, had done, done a previous RICO case, that um, the number of people who went to trial versus the number of people who indicted was, was, was significantly smaller. Um, do you, have you been watching, do you know enough about some of the co-defendants to figure out who might flip? I, I can take my guesses. There's that one guy who was the one local lawyer who was really smiley and happy. I probably don't think you could get him to flip, but I actually think you could get a majority of the local people to flip. These guys are lawyers. They have reputations. They want to have businesses when they get out of here, and they, they could probably um, flip them. I also think you could probably flip somebody like Ellis, right? She looked happy in her mugshot, but it's clearly she's not about this life, and she clearly thinks she's going to get away with it. And so I think you could flip her. I think you could flip Rudy. Rudy's kind of pissed, right? <laughs> Doesn't have money for a lawyer. Doesn't have a flight money, right? He needs a stimulus package just to get down to Georgia. And so I think you could probably flip Rudy. Powell, I think, is a hard no. I think Meadows flipped in D.C. And so I I think that's why I sent that to you. I think that's why he wanted to send it to federal because he's already, like, part of a bigger case. And I think they flipped him in D.C. And so I just don't think he'll play ball with Fonnie Willis because I think he'll get Jack Smith or – I don't know how that works with fe- like if you're a federal witness hypothetically allegedly and you get caught up on local charges like usually the feds kind of take uh reign and they take kind of priority so I, th- I think he you can't get him to flip but if I had to guess it'd be a lot of the local people Jen Ellis Rudy although those are easy marks for sure I think the first flipper and it's kind of the guy still in jail yeah yeah for what <laughs> and, 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 and and I'll tell I'll tell you exactly why. Um, he's already facing charges, uh, federal charges, because in the January sixth case, he went the 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 FBI showed up to serve him with whatever, and he assaulted an FBI agent and called the police and they he and on top of it, not only did he assault the FBI agent, but I guess he had a court case that he did not attend, so there was a warrant out for his arrest. And so, um, you know, that part of the other reason why he's locked up is if you recall, all the other defendants had some form of a bond agreement. He had none because he didn't have an engaged attorney. So he went down there and evidently what I'm learning. And again, as with everything else, we, you and I don't want to become the brand new experts because brand new experts oftentimes are very wrong. But from what I'm learning is the reason why in this particular case, I'm not sure about other cases in other jurisdictions. What you want to do is you want to come to an agreement on bond before you turn yourself in. And I guess because if you don't come to an agreement on bond before you turn yourself in, then you are held for pretrial detention until you can get in front of the judge who's going to hear your case. And I know that we've heard that um, the judge that's going to be overseeing the Trump case is not really convening folks until September 5th or the week of September 5th. So if that is in fact the case, if that is in fact the case, then this Floyd guy will not will actually have to sit in jail because he had a hearing yesterday and that judge told him, I'm not the one who's going to be your flight risk and I'm not going to be the one to set your bail or set your bond. Um, and so part of me believes that he will flip because he will have had a week a weekend and no, I should say potentially two weekends and a full week. And he's going to start saying to himself, what have I gotten myself into? I don't want to, I, I, this will be the last time I want to be in jail. So I honestly think that because he's going to be locked up so much, um, and I do believe he'll get bail, but he's not going to want to go back. And I think he'd be willing to cut a deal. Yeah, I think that's fair uh, assessment. Like like our former boys, these Mary used to say, definitely avoid the bookings. And he got booked on a weekend. <laughs> he's probably gonna, he's probably gonna get an orange jumpsuit soon enough. So that suit is not gonna uh, last him too long. Um, I can totally see that. 
a lot of people were making jokes justifiably because he was the only kind of black guy who was arrested and he is still in jail and people were making these kind of conspiracy theories, but you said it right. He, they tried to get him before and he assaulted a law enforcement official. Like he's in jail for a reason. It's not, it has nothing to do with uh, almost the Trump case. Like it has something to do with everything that came prior to him. So that's, that's just funny. See, seeing his mugshot is just so funny and people making fun of it. It's just hilarious. Um, I can see him flipping for sure. I, I think a lot of local guys too. And like I said, Rudy, What's your take on Rudy? Do you think he's, do you think he's still loyal after all this time? Or well, let's yeah, talk about it for yeah, a second. Sure. I, I, I see the Time magazine and the mugshot being juxtaposed next to each other. And Rudy Giuliani could have had his name on LaGuardia if he just shut shut up and just went off into the distance. But do you think he's still loyal to the orange guy? I well, the orange guy is actually hosting a fundraiser for his legal defense fund. So that's that's the case. You know, the funny thing, and I posted it on Twitter. And I'm not calling it X yet, but the thing I posted on Twitter, um, I actually talked about how CNN did a report, and they were ta- and this was before Rudy turned himself in, and they questioned whether I'd be able to afford a lawyer, whether or not I'd be able to afford a bond, and they, quest- they even questioned whether or not he'd be able to afford the trip down there. Now, the one thing that I find fascinating is that um, Bernie Couric, who's the former police chief in New York, and he was a police chief under um, Giuliani, Bernie Couric uh, took Rudy down there on a private jet. So on the one hand, we're hearing these stories about how Rudy's broke. And I know I, I saw that he's trying to sell his multi-million dollar apartment. But I'm curious as to whether or not he is... Crying poor, it's kind of like Trump and his taxes, right? Is he crying poor for political advantage or legal advantage, or is he legitimately poor? I just was kind of thrown back that we went from, oh, he'll have to catch a greyhound. Of course, black Twitter has jokes. Uh, we, but we went from him, you know, from the situation where we're saying he's going to have to catch a greyhound where he actually flew in on a private jet. Yeah, but the, the guy who flew him in was already kind of sick of him, but... One time, the trip was over, right? So I think that that stuff is just really unsustainable. I guess there's some rich white billionaires who are always going to want to spend money. But um, I don't know. I just I just think he's probably broke. And he spent a lot of his own money trying to defend Trump. Trump's not going to pay him back. And I just I probably just legit think he's pretty broke. Um, I don't know. I don't know how that plays out. I think if he's smart, he'll flip and, and spend his life. I wouldn't sell the apartment. I'd just enjoy it while you can because you might be in a jail cell soon enough. Um, John, let me ask you, is she going to – does she want to literally have them 17 people in a room and try them at the same time? Because I know well, there's different charges for different people. but I hear – well, she's, she's definitely calling that bluff. But I don't know if that's really a bluff or – I, you know, there there are many lawyers, prosecutors who are saying that it is realistically not feasible, right? Like, so, and it would take forever. So, for instance, one example they give is what, they would not even have space because each defendant would probably afford it anywhere from two to five lawyers, right? Uh, so, where would you set all the lawyers? So, you're talking about, you're potentially talking about 100 lawyers uh, in a room. And every witness would then be cross-examined by every defense attorney's lawyer, right? I mean, uh, I mean every defendant's uh, lawyer. So I think, I don't know if she's, I don't know if she's, uh, I, I hate using this phrase, but is she talking tough for the sake of seeing how people comply or is she really going to follow through with that heavy-handed approach? Yeah, and like you said earlier, right, like the Young Thug case, like I don't think she expects all 19 to go to trial. I think she has the handful of few that she definitely wants to go to trial. But I think a lot of these stuff will fall off. I don't think it's going to be ultimately 19 defendants. Cheeseboro wants to go in October, so does Powell. So I feel like maybe a lot of these will settle prior to it really reaching that. So I don't think she's playing. So like Cheeseboro files for a CD motion and say, cool, I'll do everybody right now. Like, let's go tomorrow, and I'm ready. So I think she's prepared and she's ready. I just think she probably thinks most of this will kind of die down, and, and she'll get her kind of handful that she really wants, which is Trump, really, at the end of the day. Uh, well, 
it's 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 hard to say. I I really am wondering. I I'm really wondering who will plead in advance, and I'm wondering who will um, go to trial. But I also wonder though too: is there also a nexus? And what I mean by that is, look at like Trevian Kuti and Harrison Floyd. Um, are they just wrapped up or is Fani finding that every person she brings in will definitely have some type of, um, connection to Trump, right? You know, Rico, they say they don't really have to have connections, but I would like to think that some of the, that even though like the minor players that they weren't totally freelancing, right? So you, you dig what I'm saying there or, or not? Yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. I, I think it's all kind of connected. The idea of Rico is like one head kind of pyramids down. And I think that's what this is, right, with Trump. And that's what she's going to try to prove. I just don't know if that's – if some of the local lawyers have direct contact with Trump, I don't think so, right? So she's going to have to prove that there was messengers and there was hidden context to some of this stuff. But the Rico laws in Georgia are very like – I don't want to use the word – uh, I, I just think they have very, very deep layered, uh, understandable RICO laws to the point where there's a lot of RICO cases in that state. That's what the young thug and gunner thing is. So I don't know. I don't know what ultimately ends up happening, but I, I trust her at least. I think she knows what she's doing for the most part. So that's good. So now what did you think? of? The, uh, I didn't watch them. I've heard about them. Uh, what did you think of the Republican presidential debates? John, I, wa- I wanted to watch this partly because – the same reason I watched a couple of preseason football games. Like, I'm just ready for the real thing that I'll just put on it. I'll put on like Titans and Jaguars in the middle of August, right? Uh, I could not make it past 15 minutes. When Vivek was talking about climate change is not real, I was like, oh my God, these people are deplorable. All of these people are horrible. Ron is horrible. Mike Pence went after the smallest guy in the room and got obliterated. This is a former vice president of the United States going after a, a non-successful politician, businessman, failed guy who's like 25 years old. I don't know how old Vivek is, right? And Pence was getting absolutely slaughtered. Um, one of the guys was playing basketball and broke his face or whatever he broke. Like, all of these people are deplorable. Nikki Haley is deplorable. Rob DeSantis looked like a robot. And so I turned it off after 15 minutes. I thought, all right, enough of Titans and Jaguars. I'm over this, right? Um, I saw the high, uh, most of the highlights later. Look, these guys are horrible. Like, none of these guys are presidential. Like, say, what, say whatever you want to say about Trump, Donald, or John. And I know this is the first debate. It's not even primary season, whatever. Say whatever you want about tr- Trump. He has a charm to him. He's funny. He's rich. He has a little bit of a swag to him. Whatever you want to say about him, all that stuff is true. And none of those guys have that. I think Donald Trump is going to eat all of them for breakfast. I think majority of them were campaigning to be his vice president. Ultimately, I think the vice president that he's going to choose was not on stage, right? So it was horrible. And there you have horrible ideas. And I think the more and more this is in public is better for us because nine Republicans saying we don't think climate change is real is very good for Democrats because it clearly is, and young people are just not going to vote for them. What did you make of the fact that we kept hearing about how the Democrats need to uh, be very afraid of Tim Scott, and I've not really heard his name brought up much at all since the since the uh, debate. Um, did, was he there? Yeah, he was there. <laughs> yeah, he was there. That's the point. That's the point, right? That's Tim Scott's legacy, yeah. So, I mean, what, what, yeah, he's what, a nobody. What, I think he wants to be vice president. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you make of the fact that um, some of the people that a lot, a lot of prognosticators told us would be good, they really, you know, we all know that that DeSantis has already crashed and burned. Um, you know, even Chris Christie, who a lot of people feel would be a great Trump prosecutor, from what I saw, people weren't really that impressed by him. So. Look, and you and I, you know, when your opponents make a mistake, when your opponents got themselves on a rope, 
you don't throw them a life preserver. You don't throw you don't throw them anything. But by the same token, um, this is going to sound weird, but I'm depressed by how just batshit crazy the Republican Party is. And, and part of the reason why I'm so depressed about it, I'm less depressed from the standpoint of, oh, no, they're going to beat us. And it goes back to what we were saying before about if Trump gets indicted. It just really upsets me that we have so many people in this country that are detached from the truth, are invested in outright cruelty, are invested in significant racial resentment. Um, that troubles me. That depresses me. And again, not not from the standpoint of um, electoral politics. From I think that we're well positioned to win for years to come. The presidency, the House, and most likely the Senate. But it's really depressing that we might do that strictly because there is no real viable, respectable, substantive opposition party. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I think even, John, even Democrats are blamed for how bad the Republican Party is. And what I mean by that is a lot of people will say, we only have two choices and both of them are bad. It's like, are you really, are you really comparing the fact that Republican Party doesn't believe in science, doesn't believe in climate change, doesn't believe in racism, doesn't believe in the moon, doesn't believe in anything, the same as Democrats? Are Democrats perfect? Of course not. Did Obama have failures? Of course he did. Did Joe Biden have failures? Of course they did. But the fact that you're comparing them to massive what is a right-wing party of fascist, violent white men at this point, um, that's discouraging too. That's what what depresses me even a little more than the fact that what what the Republicans have to offer was on that stage, which was horrible. I think Chris Christie is playing this wrong. Look, I told you before, if I had to choose one of them, it'd be Christie, right? But he's campaigning as like the least Trump version of a Republican. And what he needs to be campaigning on is like a moderate Republican who believes in common sense immigration and lower taxes and stuff. What really lost me, I think what he really lost him was he compared Vivek to Obama. He said... You know, like like when Hurricane Sandy hit, Obama wasn't the first one there, and you called him a, a good president and how he showed up for you and how he helped, and and, and and disaster declarations and stuff like that. Christie knows, right? And so when you try to play their game, you're just going to get washed up in it. I think that's Christie's problem. Um, I don't even remember who else was on the stage. The one guy who broke his face or broke his leg, Asa Hutchinson didn't make an impact. Like you, those guys are just like you say it all the time, John, and I'll use this metaphor here. None of them are big leaguers. None of them are really major leaguers. And Trump, for he's, I mean, he's not a major leaguer, but he is now. And um, it kind of just makes me miss just the old school kind of respect of a Romney-Obama debate, even though Obama swept the floor with them. There was still something about a substance debate that I think is just going to be gone forever. I also will say this, John. It'd be a, maybe I won't say it, but, It'd be a mistake for Biden to debate Trump, I think. Like, you could hit him over the head, and he's a better debater. I just think, like, there's no point in even bringing Trump's lies to the forefront. I just think you have to let him be on fire. But that's for a different day. Well, here's a question. You know how we talked earlier about how the Democrats are wise to have an electoral strategy that does not uh, depend on a Trump conviction. But... Should the Democrats be more, and of course I advise one, but should the Democrats be more invested in using language like referring to Trump as criminal defendant, uh, a man out on bail? Um, don't, you know, get invested to where that's your central theme, but when he, when he comes up, right, meaning, you know, if I go down and I'm talking to a bunch of voters in a particular neighborhood, I'm not even bringing up Trump bringing up, you know, the child uh, tax credit, bringing this up, bringing that up. But if he comes up it, with the simple uh, referral uh, to him as a criminal defendant out of bail, would that be a way to get a shot in without it being dwelling too much on it and, you know, banking an entire campaign on his legal problems? 
if you're, if you're asking for Biden, no, I, I wouldn't want him to paint Trump that way with a simple fact that, look, at the end of the day, Trump is innocent, so proven guilty, et cetera, et cetera. We know that whole BS, but I just, it doesn't have to come from Biden. Let it come from, let it come from Kamala. She called him a, a walking indictment four or five years ago, right? So let it come from her. Let it come from AOC. Let it come from Gavin Newsom. Let it come from the cabinet, uh, Pete. But I think Biden should stay out of it. At the end of the day, just campaign on what you came for. That's why I love when 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 they asked him about it. He said, "Oh, what a handsome guy." That's his way of taking a shot, right? But he doesn't have to go on record calling him a criminal defender. I just think there's other ways to go about it. Biden what, knows those. What, what, what about kind of what about other like what about members of Congress or senators referring to him as? A yes, criminal I think that's fine. I personally think that's fine because. It's it's factual, and they have a lesser. Fox News is going to go on Fox News and and talk about Dick Durbin calling Trump a criminal defendant, right? They're going to do it with Biden, right? And so even his handsome guy comments kind of gave the right a little bit of of um, they they were pissed off about it. So I just think Biden should sway, just keep the boat still, and not sway waters, and let everybody else kind of take those shots. I'm very comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it'll be very fascinating to see how that plays out. Um, you know, earlier in the week, earlier last week, Biden went to Maui, and I think he had a good trip. But one of the things that happened was uh, I think he was looking at a dog, and then at one point they were praying or something, and his eyes were closed, and they accused him of dozing off. Um, what did you think of Biden's trip to Maui? I'll be honest. I don't think it made any news. I I, I saw the dog thing. I, th- I thought, whatever. Uh, I didn't see the eyes closed thing. And Trump, I think Trump just overshadowed the whole thing because people started turning themselves in on Tuesday. It was a success. I'll say this. It was a success because I don't think anything bad came from it. Biden's a good president and Biden was down there and he showed support. And, and six hours after everything, it was a declaration. Um, it, it got the right to stop talking about it on some level. They're trying to make this into his Katrina and at the end of the day, I don't think anybody's paying attention to this anymore, unfortunately. And we've moved on. So in that case, I guess it was a success. I do find the whole effort to give Biden his own Katrina just to be a bad faith. But, you know, that's that's it's something we've talked about before. One of the things that really bothers me about the inter-party relationships, especially when it, when it involves race, is we got to we've got to stop acting like both sides are, are coming from a, a point of good faith, right? And when we think about the criticisms that they make of Biden, the criticisms that they, you know, there was a, and you're going to laugh, but you know about already, there were two women who were sitting in U.S. cellular field who got hit by bullets. I'm not going to even call it a White Sox shooting, because I am believing more and more in the theory that they those bullets were shot from a significant far you know outside the stadium and they landed there probably because I don't think anyone saw an assailant. No one even heard the no one heard the pop pop pop, right? So I think. It, but I bring that up to say that we're talking about good faith or not good faith. Is there's a significant number, especially in the scanner, not the scanner community, but the scanner community, the scanner community fans who are, I don't don't think you can ever overblow a shooting, but I think they're trying to um, make it look bad for the White Sox, make it look bad for Chicago. When realistically, what happened to me is, again, why I believe we have too many guns. But that being said, I just feel that when people in any jurisdiction are continuously raising some of the bad things that happen, and using them for political gain. Look, I'm a poli- I work in politics. I'm a consultant. I don't think you should pass up any opportunity. But wouldn't you agree when it comes to something like violence, people getting shot or hit by bullets in U.S. cellular? Um, shouldn't we lead with compassion? Shouldn't we lead with solutions instead of just looking to exploit what we think is an exploitable situation? If you have morals and principles, yeah. It's just the Republicans don't, John, right? So... They are just looking to explode constantly. That's their game. They don't have anything of substance to give them, right? Um, 
But I will say that it's, I think it completely backfires on them because you eventually become the boy who cried wolf, right? You said for years and years the election was stolen, and then you start to see people realize that, oh, they were just lying to us, right? Or the wall, or the immigration, or Biden at the border, or Katrina, or climate change, or the pedophilia that Republicans love to throw at Democrats' feet. You try to scare people enough, 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 and they're just going to stop believing you. I don't think that it means they'll vote for Biden. I just think when Fox News and Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity, all these people say these things, it falls, I think, majority on deaf ears. Don't get me wrong. There's that old grandpa who shows up to Thanksgiving repeating it. But I think for the most part, you just... I think they know. I think they know that they're just trying to get people to get scared. And I, I, more importantly, John, I'm not giving credit for 2022 to young people, but 2022 young people showed up more than any other election, I think, as far as midterms go. And Repub- I think young people see right through that. And so if you continue to do it, you're just going to continue to lose that crowd, which, again, none of your policies support them. None of your beliefs support them. You're anti-everything. You're anti-immigration. You're anti-trans. You're anti-gay, anti-women. So you have nothing going for you. And on top of that, you're trying to scare people like like constantly. So I see through it. I, I see through all of it, John. And I think the majority of the country does. And it backfires on them. That's why I think... That's why I think like someone like Chris Christie could take advantage of that just by being normal. But even he gets involved in kind of the BS... And so that's why I think he's going to ultimately fail. But yeah, it all backfires on them always, John. They're just not the smartest people in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, we're coming up on an hour, and it's it's funny. Congress is not in. They're not. They're not in yet. They will not be back until September fifteenth. But I think we have another fun week of Trump legal issues, and then we're going into Labor Day. Um, I it, it will be fascinating. It, it, any and you know this will be. Uh, I think the last episode of this season because our next pod will drop on Labor Day, which is our new season. Uh, but uh, in, in any final thoughts, not just for this week, but for this season, as we go into the post-Labor Day, which, as you know, from a, we have a writer strike, unfortunately, and, a, and, a, and an actor strike, screen actor skill strike. But if we were in scripted television, we would be coming into the new new series. So what are, what are, what was the biggest... Um, and this is kind of this wasn't planned, but it's a good way to close. What was the biggest story of the summer for you, and what do you think you're looking forward to in the last uh, third of the year? Well, I, I, obviously Trump's the the biggest story of the year. Uh, him being indicted in the mugshot, there's nothing that's going to ever top that. But it's interesting that you bring up this idea of seasons because I think the season closed with what I think we're all looking forward to in the next season, and that's the Republican debates. Not that we're looking forward to the Republican primary, but it's here. Campaign season is here. You're a year out, basically, from elections, and locally, and, of course, uh, nationally. And so it's going to be a year of politics. We're going to start talking about the Senate races. Can we take the House back? Do we have the first ever Black Speaker of the House? Like it's, there's a lot of things that we're going to talk about in the next season. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to getting into the swing of election season, to be honest. Uh, I'd say the biggest story for me is how well Biden is doing. Because part of the reason, and first of all, what Trump is doing is, or what Trump's going through is significant, and that would be a distraction. But it's not like this is Trump's distractions are hiding the bad news for Biden. If anything, Trump's distractions are adding the, are hiding the good news for Biden. Um, I do look for it, and it's again one of the things I think that we have a, a kind of responsibility with our platform. I do look for more people telling the stories going forward, and I'm not just doing that as a cop out, uh, saying you know you went Trump, I'm not going to go Trump. But I'm saying it's 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 something that I do think that if the Democrats can tell a great story that does not rely on Donald Trump getting convicted, it just means that whatever's happening to Trump 
does not derail us and what we're doing. And if it goes south for him, it's just icing on the cake. If it doesn't go south for him and we don't, you know, they go back, they backfire on him. I still think that we're in a good position because we're telling that story. So that's what I think is the story. And again, I might be, you know, subconsciously, I might be doing it as a counterpoint to the Trump. But I also think that that's kind of an underreported story right now. Not only that, John, but just the healing of the country. We all saw what happened on January 6th, the biggest scar in this country. And the fact that someone, multiple people, but the fact that someone is facing, is being responsible or held responsible for that, I think is great for the country. And I think that overall will, will add to the health of this country. So I do, I, I do agree with your point as well, yeah. All right. So for now, this is John signing off. This is Fadi signing off. Thanks for joining us, guys. Oh.